Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, the podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. Well, hearkening back to our discussion of uh, Michael Bach, uh, you mentioned that companies are bringing in private security. So a lot of companies are leaving Portland. Target is pulling three stores from the Portland area. Walmart's already pulled out. Uh, I don't know how, and you mentioned the duck store, the Oregon duck store downtown that sold sports memorabilia for the uh, University of Oregon pulled out. I mean, how do you get businesses to come back once they're gone? That's got to be incredibly difficult. I don't know the answer to that. And in some cases there have been, you know, the plane's about ready to auger and then it pulls out right at the last minute, a very profitable, good company called Greenbrier that had a Marine division and a rail division. Uh, ended up closing. And the rail division, I think, will stay closed. I don't know. I'm not an insider into the company politics there. But the guys that bought it very much want to revive the marine side. And they have a fabulous location right on a river. Uh, I have been present when some of the um, seagoing vessels that they build have been dropped out of the manufacturing space and into the, the river. These are huge vessels that ply the Pacific uh, Ocean between um, Oregon and and, uh, Hawaii, among other places. So a lot of my old constituents, when I represented Senate District 16, worked there. You drive by and the parking lot was absolutely packed with a huge ethnic diverse workforce, uh, ethnically diverse workforce. I mean, you could go into the manufacturing part of of, uh, Gunderson that was a division of Greenbrier. And I'm gonna guess there were maybe 10 different languages being spoken. And they were proud employees turning out a very high quality product. And now that's a shell of its former self. Um, I find it fascinating that the guy that Tina Kotek, our governor tapped to be her co-chair on a conversation about revitalizing downtown Portland has already moved his employees out of downtown Portland. I think the irony of that is just breathtaking. And in my humble opinion, the press have given him a pass on trying to explain how it is that you're qualified to comment on the condition of downtown Portland when you and your employees have already fled. Uh, but that's just you know another one of the little ironies surrounding life in Oregon these days. Anyway, I don't know how you're gonna lure them back. The vacancy rate downtown remains high. Uh, One of the things that made me the saddest was there was a venerable old company called the Portland Outdoor Store on Washington Street. It was a couple of blocks from where my gubernatorial campaign office was. And um, routinely, their whole front was glass and the side uh, was glass and they displayed all of their Western wear, very expensive boots and hats. And if a guy were going to get their cowboy on to go to the Pendleton Roundup, um, as well as real working ranchers and producers, you went to the Portland Outdoor Store. And they got so sick of getting their, their building graffitied and their windows knocked out. And the other night at an event in Portland, I ran into serendipitously the owner of that store and they're going away. They've been there a hundred and I think three or four years, 104, 105 years, and they're done. They just can't 
do it in downtown Portland anymore. One of the most outspoken critics of ballot measure 110 is an extremely liberal downtown businesswoman who owned a delightful restaurant called Mother's. Uh, I know this woman well. She and I have judged some cooking contests on the coast together. And um, they, her politics and my politics probably don't touch at very many points with the exception of ballot measure 110. She basically had a building where she was located decimated by by rioting and graffiti and vandalism. And she has appeared on uh, local television here to talk about the, the screaming need to reform ballot measure 110, lest we lose downtown hospitality entirely. Restaurants are still finding it very, very difficult to, uh, to operate in an environment of inflation and demand for higher wages and uh, a general feeling that downtown is not a safe place. And if we can't make people feel comfortable in downtown, um, we're never gonna get back the vibrancy that was Portland where we had a wonderful food and libation. I mean, our comestibles and our libations were second to none. And people thronged to downtown for the arts and culture, as well as uh, as food and drink and, and uh, socialized downtown. If they don't feel safe, not so much anymore. So it's, it's I think it's a tragedy. I really do. And I just, I, I call upon our elected folks, stop studying stuff, stop talking about stuff, do something. I got to say, in all my years as a reporter in Oregon, not just in Portland, but in Oregon, uh, I had not seen a place where task forces and study groups were so prevalent. Do you have any clue why that is? Oh, sure. In some cases, a really shitty piece of legislation that can't pass but leadership doesn't want to disappoint their member, particularly on the majority side, give them a task force or a study group to think about it. Well, with a price tag of, you know, 150,000, 250, 500, a million, off they go. And maybe they didn't get their nasty, dumb bill, but they get a study group. So that's, that's part of it. Um, part of it, I think, is the naivete of some of the elected folks who would like to use a study group as cover to not have to say, uh, to not have to make a tough decision. Um, I know, for example, the Oregon legislature has just proposed a study group to talk about their salaries. Um, and I took those salaries for 20 years. Uh, the Oregon legislature was paid as a citizen legislature, and so they didn't get huge amounts of money. Uh, and now, as the legislature becomes more, uh, the staff is unionized, it's turning into a professional legislature and away from the citizen legislature that was always a hallmark of how Oregon did their business. But the legislators don't want to vote themselves a raise. And so, frankly, they're hiding behind the study group. And I bet they're all hoping like hell that the study group will say, oh, these overworked poor folks need great big giant raises. And then they'll they'll have a fig leaf to to hide behind. Well, you've been in favor of raising legislator salary, not just because you were one, but because the obvious point is if you don't pay people to do this, they're not gonna, and you won't get as good a quality of folks, perhaps, uh, because they can't afford to do this. Because if you're in Salem for six months, as you are during the long sessions, that's not cheap to do. 
Oh, I completely agree. And I think that we shouldn't just have a legislature that's made up of unions that keep people on the payroll while they're serving or uh, independently wealthy people. But it should not be a place where people come to get rich. Um, the work is hard. It's seven day a week work if you do it right. But I, I just I find it funny instead of stepping up and saying, yeah, we need a raise and this is the kind of work we do and we're on call 24 seven and we're expected to go to every church bazaar auction or do every, you know, be in the community all the time. And they actually justify why the work of the legislature is meaningful to the constituents they serve to justify a raise. That's one thing. But to set up a, a committee that's going to say they ought to be making, you know, $175,000 a year, or whatever Congress makes, and I'm making that up. I don't know if that's going to be the outcome. But the Oregon legislature had a certain allure when it was citizen legislators that were a reflection of Oregonians coming down, working for a wage that allowed them to leave their regular jobs and serve the public versus turning the Oregon legislature into a full-time professionalized, you don't need another job if you got, I mean, you, you, there's no off-season job to go home to. We pay you all the time to be a legislator. I think this has to be handled very judiciously and thoughtfully. But yes, I support paying legislators to do the hard work that they do. I, I just want to do it with, with temperance and moderation. I would think the uh, Secretary of State position, though, probably doesn't get a raise, do they? Well, the Secretary of State, just to fill people in on what two Oregonians are having a little yuck about, uh, is that our statewide officers in Oregon are not paid very magnificently. They've got staff working for them that in some cases make three or four times what they make. And so our Secretary of State, the, uh, the uh, lamented Shamia Fagan, decided that she would take a side job for herself, a side hustle, and went to work for the dope industry, an industry that she was auditing and was feeding questions to, to help justify her $10,000 a month retainer to go to work for them. And lo and behold, people found out, and lo and behold, they didn't like it. And so she was um, run off in disgrace. I think that there still may be criminal charges. I don't know. You know, like lots of places, what's headlines on, on Monday is gone by Friday. So I don't know exactly what her legal status is right now, but she certainly did not endear herself to Oregonians by um, taking a job that she knew what the salary was and then saying, because I'm not paid with what I think I'm worth, I'm going to take this $10,000 a month consulting role and uh, add that to my to my state salary, and maybe then a single mother or two can eke by. So I, I don't think that there was a huge amount of sympathy for the um, long lamented Secretary of State Fagan. Well, I wanted to ask you about the attitude of Oregonians outside Portland. You live outside Portland, uh, closer than a lot of people though, but as you get further and further away from Portland, do you get the sense that folks are more like, well, we'll just let them do their thing and who cares, it's their problem, I just won't go there. Or do they feel, as you do, that this is just a microcosm of what's going to happen to the rest of the state? And if you let this thing grow and fester and metastasize, it's going to take over the whole state and then you'll really be in a pickle. It's sort of a combination of all of the things that you just said. I mean, even to the extreme that there are 13 counties now, Oregon has 36 counties and 13 of those counties 
have passed affirmative declarations wanting to leave the state of Oregon. And so it's kind of funny. I do a little commentary for one of the TV stations and they called me up and they said, how hard is greater Idaho going to be to achieve? Well, that's this movement to have these 13 counties go to Idaho. And I said, guys, 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 you're asking me the wrong question. The question that you should have been asking is, why would 13 counties want to leave Oregon? What is it that makes them so repulsed by Oregon that they want to go to another place? Leave aside how hard it would be. It would be incredibly difficult. It would take a vote of Congress. I mean, it's greater Idaho, in my opinion, is not going to be successful. But those 13 counties are the most extreme manifestation in Oregon not being the, the wonderful, cool, green place that we all that grew up here, born here, um, thought it should be. And so the metastasis is occurring. And this was one of the things that came up in the conversation with Mr. Bach the other day. A great number of people that are coming to Oregon that are drug addicted or homeless are coming because of our laissez-faire attitude about drugs. The fact that there are no accountabilities with the possession of drugs. The fact that Oregonians are compassionate people and hand out a lot of free shit to the people that come. Thousands of tents and tarps have been given out to people living on the street. And it makes absolutely no sense to me to have one unit of government pay for and pass out the tents and another unit of government scrape the tents off the streets and take them to the landfill. I mean, it's that kind of lack of coordination. But people are here because of a temperate climate, a laissez-faire attitude about drugs, no real enforcement, a DA who doesn't care about prosecuting serious crime. And as Portland becomes more crowded, some of those folks are looking around for other places to go uh, wherein they can find the same kind of welcoming attitude. So uh, a point in time survey that was a function of a unit of government to go out and count what's the profile of the people living on the streets right now found a huge percentage of people that are street people in Multnomah County came here with no job. Uh, and uh, and an addiction. And um, I was in a gathering not long ago when the county commission chair was asked by a very prominent attorney that question, how do you respond to this? How do you respond to the fact that so many people are lured to our state by the kind of condition that some of our, um, our governmental processes are in right now? And she was kind of stumped to provide a good answer. Um, and then the, better than that, you've, you've got an attitude that as late as, oh, like last week, uh, Portlanders experiencing homelessness went out and rustled up a lawyer to sue the city over a camping ban that keeps them from um, camping any damn place they want. And so uh, this group of Portlanders has filed a class action lawsuit in Multnomah County challenging the city's homeless camping restrictions. And so the, the lawsuit alleges that the city's camping restrictions violate current law and the state constitution because they subject people who are involuntarily homeless to unreasonable punishments including potential fines and jail time for engaging in activities like sleeping outside uh, or curling up in somebody's doorway to find someplace that's dry. Um, it's interesting how out 
out of control all of this has gotten, and I played a small um, you know, role in learning about it, these uh, abandoned RVs that the police apparently call breaking bads after the movie where they were cooking meth in a, a RV, a recreational vehicle, had been parked on the streets of the town that I live in, which is about a 30 minute drive from Portland. And the police had ticketed it over and over and over and over again. And finally, the question was raised to me as a former government person, what can you do about getting this moved? Well, if the city moves it, the liability to the city is huge. The tow companies won't take it because the expense of breaking down these rat bag vehicles that are functionally abandoned is so great. But um, you've got the problem where the cities try to enforce some degree of rules. And then they've got the lawyers at the Oregon Law Center, a very, very, very progressive group of lawyers representing the plaintiffs, now are asking the courts to issue temporary restraining orders to prevent the city from enforcing restrictions until the lawsuit is resolved. The great irony is that the city isn't enforcing the rules now. So I don't know when the courts review that, whether they will see the argument as moot because they're not enforcing these these rules as it is. Anyway, it's uh, I, I mean, it's it's just it's you can't make this stuff up is what it boils down to. What's amazing to me is not only what you said about the 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 city not even enforcing its own rules, the people that are suing the city don't pay taxes. It's not their money. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> and they got free free lawyers to help them do that. Um, it, it, it's I, I I don't get it. I really don't. I don't get it. Um, I'm going to guess that we've got oh, six to eight thousand people in, in Multnomah County experiencing homelessness. And um, uh, it, it just it continues used to grow. Uh, some estimates have it growing by rates approaching 60%. Um, so with with 2000 available shelter beds and the people providing those shelter beds struggling, struggling to find enough money to operate and to deal with a population that is increasingly mentally affected by the drugs, drug affected, in one of the homeless shelters uh, that I've been associated with, somebody came in wielding a machete and you've got underpaid social service people that are not necessarily trained to try to talk people off the cliff when they're wielding a machete, trying to get everybody calmed down enough till the police, the overworked, understaffed police can get there. And it just, it sort of just goes on like that. And then you got guys that are the beneficiaries of the money of what has been euphemistically referred to as the industrial homeless complex, writing the reports to say everything is just hunky dory, and we're surprised the taxpayers in Multnomah County are getting pissed. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of amazing, and there are people that actually think Portland's okay, that there's no problem. Oh, but worse than that, even though I'm no longer a a senator, I run into people and they say you had a reputation for getting stuff done. I got something I want to get done. And so I went up to a house up in an affluent neighborhood of Portland, and a guy has pitched a tent. And he has pitched a tent in such a way as to avoid 
the ADA lawsuit, the Americans with Disabilities lawsuit that was successfully negotiated with the city that says that a tent cannot block the pedestrian through fare or throughway um, because it was forcing people that were blind uh, out into the streets or people in wheelchairs that would have to navigate um, streets that had been used as urinals and bathrooms. Uh, and then they're wheeling their wheelchair into their home. It was just gross. And so uh, a lawsuit was uh, filed and a settlement was negotiated with the city. Anyway, the long and the short of it is that some of the people are wily enough that they know just exactly how to place their tent. And so in this neighborhood, the guy that has the tent has been to the joint a couple of times, convicted felon. He's 53 years old. Um, he occasionally uh, gets so out of control that he brandishes a pipe, a metal pipe, and the police have to come to subdue him and get him calmed down. But he dumps his garbage in some of the, the garbage receptacles of the very lovely homes around him. He washes himself off in their garden hose with their garden equipment. And yet some people in that neighborhood who are so scared of him leave out clothes and food. So it says to me, Oregonians are compassionate people who want to help their brother and sisters on the streets. But damn it, when you enable people and you make it okay for them to continue to live in this way that disrespects other people's property rights, terrifies some of the older, particularly women that live in this neighborhood, that's screwed up. And um, so it, it, the, the saga goes on. I, I remain optimistic that the homeless shelter that I'm a participant with that did get some money from the county. And while I sound a little churlish about that, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Um, they did give us some money and I'm very appreciative of that. But to stay open to serve the needs of the city and the county is not without expense. And just like people talk about public transit being something that is a valuable municipal service that needs to be subsidized, I would submit that the care and feeding and um, and counseling and recovery of people heretofore on the streets in now clean, dry, warm places um, is a public service that requires some subsidization. And with as much money as is sloshing around in government, uh, being able to, to fix some of our problems just is going to require political will, some real political courage, and a timeline and an eager public to say, we're watching and this is intolerable and you got to get it fixed. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.